Hello, and thank you for tuning in to The Escafil Files, a book analysis podcast where one diehard fan and one newbie start yet another podcast about Animorphs, the children's book series by K.A. Applegate. I'm Danielle, I use she or they pronouns, and you can find me on the internet at redtailedhawk90, and my co-host is Jade. Hello, you can find... I'm Jade. Yes, this is the order I do this. You can find me on the internet at jadeoxfordrows, and I use they them pro- uh, pronouns. Wow, I can't speak. This is going to go great. <laughs> We will be making our way through the books one book at a time, analyzing the themes and how they stand up to time, and sharing the experience with our friends on Discord, the link to which you can find in the show notes. Uh, Book-specific content warnings for this book, uh, which is book 12, The Reaction, um, is violence against animals and self-defense. And I couldn't think of any other ones. Could you? Not serious ones. Yeah. Um, in, in terms of non-serious content warnings, uh, teenagers going to be teenagers and douchebaggery. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay, uh, so this is book 12. It is a Rachel book. Um, and we start off strong with the usual description of self and friends and what's going on in the world. Um, what I found interesting is what Rachel used to describe herself. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, she says, I can't tell you my last name or where I'm from. Here, here's what I can tell you about myself. Um, I'm tall for my age, maybe tall for any age. I have blonde hair. I like gymnastics, shopping, and a good fight with bad guys. Not necessarily in that order. People say I'm pretty, and I guess I'm okay. People say I'm self-confident, and I know that's true. <laughs> and then... Uh, and then she immediately breaks my heart. Um, my closest friends think I'm fearless. They're wrong about that. People without fear are just insane. I have plenty of fear in my life. Some days I feel afraid from the minute I wake up in the morning till my last nightmare at night. But the thing about fear is you can't be afraid of it. I know that sounds confusing. I guess what I mean is be afraid if you have to, right? Fear is like this vicious little worm that lives inside you and eats you alive, but you have to fight it. You have to know it's there. You have to accept that you'll never get rid of it, but fight it just the same. Brave isn't about not being afraid. It's about being scared to death and still not giving in. Uh, and the when I read this, which was something I had never noticed before, but when I read this, uh, I immediately thought back to um, hearing someone else say almost the exact same definition of fear, and I was pretty sure it was Tobias. And lo and behold, after searching through the books, I found in Megamorphs 1, when Tobias is carrying Cassie uh, into the air for her to do her mm-hmm. badass morphing, uh, he explains how he's afraid all the time, but uh, I copied it here. Um, There's only one way to deal with fear. Be afraid. Be afraid and then go ahead and do what you have to do anyway. Uh and on the one hand, this is clearly the author's point of view on fear that we are seeing crop up again because it's their point of view on fear. However, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the, fa- the fact that like we-, we hear the others talk about fear and being afraid and we hear about how like Jake tries to ignore his fear. Cassie doesn't know what the fuck to do with it. Marco uh, tries to brush it off or plays into it and then tries to be comedic. Um, 
But Tobias and Rachel are the ones who have this specific view of fear. Mm. Uh, and the, the fact that we know these two spend time together as well, like notion yeah. that the two of them have maybe talked about it yeah. is, is very good. Mm -hmm. um, I also have to give a shout out to whether it's intentional or not, the use of the phrase fear is like this little vicious worm that lives inside you and eats you alive. You have to <laughs> fight it. Just there going, huh. Yeah, I guess you do. <laughs> Which is just a nice nod, I suppose, to uh, the involuntary controllers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's good. Rachel breaking my heart in the first three paragraphs. Uh, it's great. Good work, Rachel. Good hustle. Um, I, like so, we've got the description of the others. Um, Jake, my more responsible cousin. Mm -hmm. Marco, my personal pain in the butt. Cassie, my best friend forever. Tobias, who is our first casualty, trapped forever in the body of a hawk, and I'm just there, just like ow. Mm -hmm. And Axe, the only Andalite to survive their mission to Earth. Yeah. And the fact that it transitions away from the personal so quickly, because mm -hmm. we know Rachel isn't close to Axe. And right. conversely, we know she is close to Tobias. Mm -hmm. But the fact that in this delivery of information, Tobias and Axe are both framed as survivors, mm -hmm. but casualties as well. Yeah. yeah. It's like, they're all soldiers in this war, but I think Rachel thinks the most like a soldier. Mm -hmm. Whereas obviously Jake is unfortunately in the position of being more like a general. But right. Rachel is very much like boots on the ground kind of thinking mm -hmm. and how that perspective shapes things. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's definitely an element of respect because of that. Mm -hmm. um, and also, I want to draw your attention uh, <laughs> to how she doesn't say Axe is not a human and Tobias is even less human than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, five humans, like, you know, one not so human. Right, right. Mm. <laughs> um, uh, you know, like how Cassie and Jake do. Yeah, that that like that difference. Like we know that Tobias has this duality, but Rachel still talks about him trapped in the hawk, mm -hmm. and like recognizing. You could say that that's a very like nineties phrase, but also just like Axe is making every attempt mm -hmm. to like be one of them mm -hmm. and is fighting with them. So in that regard he is one of them and I like that right. acknowledgement of it. Yeah. Yep. Um the uh, explanation goes on, our usual sum up. We get Rachel's take. Uh we get I think this is one of the first mentions of the Elemists since mm -hmm. that interaction yeah it is uh with rachel describing them so advanced they make humans look dumb as cows mm -hmm. uh races like the andalites more advanced than us you know like a 10th grader is more advanced than an eighth grader but still in the <laughs> same zone of reality which like is a really amusing way to describe that frankly i like how they're so close <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah like rachel's not going to give the andalites more credit than they're due it's just like I yeah know. you're a little bit ahead of us we're going to get there yeah time um interestingly and this possibly makes sense considering how much rachel goes one-on-one -on -one against hawk bajir mm -hmm. 
that she describes them as razor-bladed killing machines that everyone says used to be rather sweet. Mm-hmm. It's like, if I was Rachel, I would probably want to distance myself from the nice things people say about Hawkbajir too. Yeah. Uh, we get the sh- characteristic shitting on the taxons. Mm-hmm. Because at this point, they still don't have any characterization besides, ha-ha, they're like taxes, they eat you alive. Uh, well, and speaking of taxes, uh, or par- people feasting parasitically on us, uh, then the a really good description of the Yerks, actually. Mm-hmm, it is. I, I really like Rachel's take on this, how uh, the Yerks who made a devil's deal with the taxons, mm-hmm. and goes on to explain. Uh, and... This, again, is the first time we have the mention of the Geds mm-hmm. since being introduced to those. I really mm-hmm. appreciate that Rachel pays attention to the casualties of war. Yeah. Like, she's got a list in her head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's sad. I know. Well, remember, she got into this war because Melissa is a casualty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just that for all the... Rachel isn't characterized as the smart one or the mm-hmm. leader. Mm-hmm. She's acutely aware of the stakes. Yeah. Yeah. And like the way she remembers things is like really good and yeah. interesting as a as a characteristic a character beat. Yeah. Well, it's really interesting because like we know that Rachel is very very smart because she does really mm-hmm. well in school. Yeah, um, we get this mention later that she's still maintaining it a average. Right. Um, but she doesn't take the thinking role in the group because she kind of enjoys the danger of it. And because she is the best fighter, everyone else is like, well, you're the best fighter. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Rachel is an act first, generally person anyway. Mm -hmm. Yes. But the others need her to be the fighter. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't have the burden of responsibility of making the smart choices because nobody expects her to. Yeah. Because that's not her role in the group, even if she could. Mm-hmm. And I like that she's always been very emotionally driven. And we've mm-hmm. seen that throughout the book. So obviously now as we get the events of this book and seeing that, it's, a, it's an interesting take on her having to manage her emotional state more. Yeah. Uh, we do get the detail uh, that about voluntary controllers. Um, that's the that's always been the thing that made me maddest. Anyone can lose a battle, but to choose to surrender to become a traitor—that's just sick. Um, and then she kind of qualifies it uh, by saying that they use the Yerks use the sharing to learn about human society, disguise their meetings, and recruit new members. I always wondered what lies they told people to get them to agree to become controllers. Um, And so she recognizes that these are people who have been manipulated. um, Even as she recognizes that, like, being a voluntary controller is uh, sickening to her. Mm -hmm. Um, And yes, we're going to get more about that later. About yeah. this uh, one, I was like, I double checked. She's just like, wait, is this what it? No, that's late. That's a later book. No, it's not that business. That's later. 
Loki, I did not let you into the room, so you, you could straight on climb onto the desk and onto my lap. <laughs> <sighs> but yes, yeah, so we have this thing. Um, we have that abstract or sort of more uh, detached view on it. Even though it's emotional, mm-hmm. it's still like a understanding even, and then her emotional reaction to it. And then we have this personal reaction. And her, she says as much, like, I guess he betrayed me personally too. Mm-hmm. Um, and clarifies about um, there are probably millions of girls like her with a crush. Yeah. Um, and I do appreciate, what can I say? Cute is cute. And cuteness is a very powerful force. <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, because uh, as we'll get to learn, the the person that or the the target, I guess this book revolves around, um, is uh, a bit of a celebrity. Yeah, teen heartthrob. Yep. Um, and as much as there is elements of it, I find very frustrating, and we'll mm-hmm. talk more about. It's more about the reactions to. Yeah, teen heartthrob that pissed me off. I like seeing such a teenagery thing. Yeah, like mm-hmm. I remember the crushes I had as a teenager. Yeah, like because you're because you're going through beauty, everything is so dialed up. Mm-hmm. And, th- and those crushes, regardless of if it's like whatever form it might take, there are those people that just like become everything to you in one way mm-hmm. or another. Mm-hmm. I remember having a crush on my English teacher. Miss <laughs> Jackson, she was great. She looked like a witch. She was the coolest <laughs> person ever. Like long black hair, and uh, she was great. We loved her. And also, Cute. yes, I am a queer person that had a crush on an English teacher. I'm aware. <laughs> I am aware. Okay. <laughs> hmm. Um, but we'll get more into uh, t- crushes and teen heartthrobs later. We've got to start at the zoo. Yep. Uh, what I love about this is Cassie having a bit of a minor breakdown because her mom is going to be doing a presentation yep. that her friends are going to see. And she's like, no, but you don't get it. Mom's going to try to be cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm going to have. I'm like, this is great because Cassie is obviously so often the sensible one. And uh-huh. I love getting to see her with Rachel in this moment, just like, no, Rachel, I will have to leave town. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's yeah. just playing into it as well, just like, oh, it's not going to be that bad. <laughs> and then we have this glorious moment. Uh, what is it? It's dangerous when mum tries to be entertaining. See, she'll think she has to be cool and all. She'll start talk- talking about the fudgies or Snoopy Diggity Dog or Boys Eleven Men or Nice is Neat. <laughs> to which point Rachel snorts uh, Mountain Dew out of her nose. Uh, okay, the Fuji's Snoop, Doggy Dog, and Boys to Men I get, but what is nice is neat. <laughs> and this is glorious. Like, I read this and I was like, this is incredible. Uh, Cassie looked guilty. NIN, you know, Nine Inch Nails. I wanted to get the new CD, but I was broke, so I told my mum, NIN stood for nice is neat. And Rachel was like, no way, you. That sounds like something Marco would have thought up. Cassie quickly looked down at the ground, then she started laughing. Okay, it was Marco's idea. <laughs> what parent could possibly resist a rock group called Nice is Neat? See, Marco wanted me to get the CD so he could make a tape. <laughs> anyway, it worked. <laughs> and Rachel's just like, Cassie, 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 when did you start taking advice from Marco? The end of civilization is very near. And then she's just like, did you even like Nine Inch Nails? <laughs> <laughs> nope. 
<laughs> and uh, sorry, cat descending. And she's just like, uh, they're actually, they're a little depressed and grim <laughs> for me. <laughs> but it would be perfect for today. <laughs> it's, it's so good. I feel like this is a thing in Animorphs fandom because like there's a comment in our doc or was it in the in the Google chat? Yes, no, in our doc. This is the introducing introduction of nice is neat and boys eleven men. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like this is a a long standing gag. It's not so much a long standing gag as a very impressionable one. Uh-huh. <laughs> like you read this and you're like, oh my god, Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> and it sticks with you. Oh, nice is neat. Nice is neat. <laughs> um, but so Cassie's having this breakdown, right just like, but mum's going to call them like nice is neat. And then she'll have to change school and steals a bit of Rachel's drink, which is just like, yes, good best friend banter. Mm-hmm. And um, they're just there. And Rachel, of course, makes a comment of just your bad luck. Mm-hmm. And some kid. Uh, topples over the edge of the enclosure into the crocodile pit because the trip is to the gardens, which is where Cassie's mum works, the zoo, as we said. And yeah, crocodiles. Yep. It's great. Just fucking kid over a fence into the... and every, oh, Yeah. The kid screams, everyone's silent, and then everybody else starts yelling. And Cassie's yep. first instinct is grab Rachel, look her in the eyes, I'll get help. I'll be right back. Don't do anything dumb, Rachel. Don't. <laughs> uh, title card, always sunny music. Rachel does something dumb. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, what I, what I really like is like her justification. So she, she can't see the kid because the kid has fallen under like an overhang that's in the enclosure, but she can see the other crocodiles that are in the pit that are slowly becoming aware that something small and squishy has fallen into their pit. Um, and as much as I hate the characterization of these crocodiles as like, ooh, food, gotta get that food, doesn't matter if I'm fed already. Um, because at, at the very least, they're crocodiles and not alligators. Alligators mm-hmm. wouldn't give a fuck. Um, <laughs> yeah, crocodiles are more chill, is my understanding. Alligators are, yeah. Mm. Um, but. Uh, Rachel says, oh man, I groaned. I took a deep breath. I didn't have any morph that could take on a 15 foot long crocodile. Not my grizzly bear morph, not even my elephant morph, probably. Eh, your elephant morph could probably do damage. Uh, I was going to say, crocodiles t- don't tend to fuck with elephants. Yeah, not bi- not full grown ones. Uh, yeah. And even to save a life, I couldn't morph in public, which left just two choices. Do really, nothing. Rachel, just two choices. <laughs> yeah. Do nothing uh, and let the crocodile hurt the kid or do something really dumb. I chose dumb. This is great. And she literally does the look over there to get <laughs> people to look away. And then just fucking hops the fed or hops the railing, mm-hmm. balancing on it. And then she uh, jumps into uh, this concrete tree. Uh, just appreciate that balancing myself like the amateur gymnast I was. Mm-hmm. Um, and she gets over to the tree, uh, drops all her and She gets sort of a bit scraped up in the process, um, but she's there, of course, because there's an audience. Just like the girl fell into, no, she's trying to save the boy. Somebody else, don't be a fool. And Rachel's just like, eh, too late. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, uh, from this new perspective, Rachel now realizes that there is a seventh 
crocodile in the enclosure enclosure uh, significantly closer um <laughs> and so, significantly larger mm-hmm. uh she's able to do sort of a jump out of the way when it first goes for her and then uh well she jumps onto its back yeah yeah she lands on its back after jumping and then she decides uh in the last ditch oh, hail mary begins begins to acquire the crocodile before he could acquire me mm-hmm. so uh, luckily, acquiring the Croc's DNA does calm it down like normal, um, but she can't keep it up forever. <clears throat> and besides, there are other crocodiles in this exhibit. Uh, and what's weird, though, is that she feels ill while acquiring the crocodile. Keep this in mind, because it will be important later. Um <laughs> Sick like I'd swallowed some spoiled milk or something. At the same time, I felt a swarm of heat prickles all over my skin. Uh, but she's got more important things to think about. So mm-hmm. she rolls off the crocodile and then under the overhang so that she's out of sight and morphs the crocodile. Now, she's going into this morph. She knows that she has to be ready for the crocodile instincts because the uh, like this is the first time she's morphed it. And predators can be difficult to control, and she doesn't want to hurt the kid while trying to defend the kid. Uh, unfortunately, uh, she can't control the crocodile mind. I like the implication here is because crocodiles got done evolving a really long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's just like their brains haven't needed to change. Mm-hmm. So it's just sort of like their brains got real good at doing it. Mm-hmm. And I like, granted, I've never had to be up close and personal with one, but that's one of the things I like about sharks and mm-hmm. like crocodiles and certain other things is that they have really only gotten smaller as the mm-hmm. world has gotten. I use the term smaller loosely because of uh, like the spread of humankind and the reduction of uh, habitats. Just like, cool, they reached peak evolution millions of years ago. <laughs> And they've just been yep. here ever since. Nothing's managed to get rid of them. They haven't had need yep. to change because nothing right. can beat them in a way that's at what they do. Yeah. So. Uh-uh. Um. But yeah. So cro- crocodile brain. See, this is why I tend to use the term lizard brain. Just like back of the head. Just like the good the thoughts that know what they're doing. Yep. Um. But yes. So Rachel in croc mode focuses on the threat which is the crocodile's priorities are food or enemy yep so uh the other croc closes in and so she attacks it um there is a brief and uh violent fight um Mm. in which eventually she manages to uh use she manages to get control of the crocodile brain Mm-hmm. Enough to think ahead and make a move that the crocodile wouldn't have been able to. Yeah. Uh, and so manages to get the crocodile over on its back and then uh, bites it on its softer mm-hmm. underbelly um, and gets it to stop attacking. Yeah. Uh, and there's this vibe where this is, she goes over to the kid and just like, 
the kid is obviously terrified, rightly so. Good, good uh, preserva- self-preservation instincts. So she thought speaks to the kid. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, kid, I'm I'm the good crocodile, all right. Climb on my back. Fortunately, this was a cool kid, <laughs> like small enough not to question the fact that a crocodile was talking to him because it's established like it's a group of kindergartners. Yeah. So. And even if he does tell someone, they're going to think, oh, he's just a kid. Yeah. Oh, the trauma of falling in. Yes. Um, but yeah, Rachel carries the kid out to a pile of uh, fake rocks so the kid can climb out. Uh, and then as soon as the kid is out of reach, she races back to the alcove, morphs back, just at the time where zoo trainers armed with tranquilizers come rushing in. Mm-hmm. Um, so all in all, it turned out to be a pretty cool field trip. And uh, and we never did have to hear Cassie's mum give her presentation. Yeah, I do like that the that they add here. Even the big croc was okay after some surgery. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm glad. Uh, no super lasting damage was done. Yes, no crocodiles were permanently injured in the. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, uh, in this moment in the story, no crocodile was injured. Yep, permanently. Um, but then, of course. As is so often the way with Rachel hijinks, there is fallout with Jake. Yep. He pierced. <laughs> and we have the first iteration of uh, Cassie, but I think Rachel does it at some point as well, of correcting yeah. people who say alligator. She's like, you know, it's a crocodile. <laughs> They're different. <laughs> they are different. <laughs> Mostly um, in temperament, but they're different. <laughs> And I forget which one has the proper closed. I remember just seeing a picture, and there's one where the teeth are visible when the jaw is closed, and one where it isn't. Uh, crocodiles mostly have the teeth exposed, and alligators mm. don't mostly. I just like caimans. Yeah, great. Yeah, caimans are good. Alligators look like big leathery dogs. <laughs> they got the round, the round snoot. And you grew up in Florida, didn't you? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I meant so you know more about gators. Unless <laughs> you're just like, ah, oh, these Floridians and their laissez-faire attitude and fondness for gators. I mean, sometimes you're just walking in the Everglades and mm-hmm. there's an alligator on the side of the road and you just walk a little farther around it. It's fine. You give it a space. <laughs> like you would a big dog. I, I, yeah. I understand the logic. Um. But yeah, so we have this this fallout. Uh, Jake, who is not yelling, who is using the low, silky voice he uses when he's really upset. <laughs> yep. Which is interesting, because obviously we've been in Jake's perspective, because he does not like yelling. Right. Because yelling for him is him losing control. Right. And he only really yells when he's really, really terrified. Mm-hmm. So, but uh, I said in our doc a little bit later about a comment on Jake in that mm-hmm. instance. But uh so there, everyone's at the barn. Uh, yep. even Axe is there right now. Mm-hmm. Um we have a little bit more of a focus on everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh the part two of the summing up of the gang. Yep. Um I don't know whether it's because we have this teen heartthrob character show up in this book that we then get a visual <laughs> on what all the boys look like. Uh huh. In terms of Rachel's opinion on them, yeah. How Jake? I would probably think Jake was good looking, except that he's my cousin. But of course, Cassie thinks he's perfect. 
I do like the gentle dragging of Cassie and Jake yeah. in this instance. How neither of them admit it. They think no one knows, but everybody knows. Uh, and how Marco is not the leadership type. Um, I love it. He's very smart, but unfortunately he uses all his brain to make stupid jokes. Well, maybe not all his brain. If he used all his brain to make jokes, the jokes would probably be better. <laughs> and states that Marco is cute, though not as cute as he thinks he is. Because um, it would be impossible for anyone to be as cute as Marco thinks he is, <laughs> which is just very good. Um, and just a comment about Marco's ego being out of control. Mm-hmm. Um, then Tobias, um, who we get the description again of what he was like as a human, uh, and we get that repeat of the. I assume like they keep coming back to the dreamy expression because it's such a yeah. contrast to the intense yes. stare of the of the orc yeah well they finally switch from dreamy eyes to dreamy expression which actually conveys what they want it to convey mm-hmm. <laughs> as opposed to he's so dreamy which makes right. me laugh yeah but yes that sort of a little bit slightly far away mm-hmm. vibe because autistic tobias mm-hmm. anywho um we get the reference again to the Term that I'm not going to say because Danielle always re- says it again, so I'm just not going to say it. any Andalite words or things like that. I'm just anything in italics in the book. I'm just going to make Danielle say <laughs> Nothlet. Thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, some bigging up of Cassie finally, mm-hmm. which is dope. Mm-hmm. Um, probably the most capable, in charge, amazing person I will ever meet. This is a girl who deals with school, has practically a full-time job helping her dad with the wildlife rehabilitation clinic, and handles all the stuff we have to deal with as animorphs. I mean, who else can keep up a B-plus average while she's saving wild animals and fighting a war with the York Empire? I love how much Rachel loves Cassie. It's very good. Uh, and we get the uh, the description of Axe, who is in uh, his usual form. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're back to the argument. Yep. Um, and Rachel's obviously on the defensive. And here we have some real fun stuff of Tobias snark. Yeah. Um, and there is, like, we get some good Tobias snark and Axe culture uh, shock in this uh-huh. book that make me smile. Yeah. But Marco points out that uh, we're trying to save the world, not one kid. And how Rachel put it at risk by trying to be the offspring of Xena and Superman. And by Xena and Superman have a child. I didn't even know they were dating. Um, so we get that good little bit of snark from Tobias. Mm-hmm. And then Tobias' thought speaks just to Jake, uh, just to Rachel, and then mm-hmm. says, Ask Jake what he would have done. That will get him off your back. <laughs> Tobias, yep. you insightful son of a gun. I know. Uh, because <laughs> the pride in Danielle's voice is <laughs> like, yes, my bird son, yes. <laughs> um, and Rachel does pose the question to Jake, if you think what I did was so wrong, what would you have done? And Jake counters with, the point is secrecy is absolutely important. Jake, I repeated, what would you have done in my place? <laughs> And as the next chapter begins, he scratches his ears, he grins sheepishly. Just because I would have done the same thing doesn't make it right. <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's great. Like, and we have that admission from Jake. Cassie says how brave 
Cassie calls Rachel a hero. Axe states that she was brave and how it's a fine virtue. Uh, and states, <laughs> and Marco's just like, yeah, thank you, Obi-Wan Kenobi, for that wisdom. Of course she was a hero. She's always a hero. Rachel can't stop being heroic. Being stupidly brave is like some nervous tick she can't control. <laughs> but what if someone had caught her morphing on videotape? And that's when reality kicks in. Because mm-hmm. Rachel doesn't like it when Marco is right. Yeah. But she will admit it when he is. Right. Because as mm-hmm. far as the Yerks are concerned, they're Andalites. Mm-hmm. But if they found out that they were just human kids, yeah. But thankfully, the news is just reporting that Rachel, that there was no tape, that just Rachel fell in because she, try- mm-hmm. she was trying to see this kid. Uh, everyone's more focused on how amazing it was that the kid could ride an alligator crocodile. Rachel's a little bit put out about being the idiot girl who fell in the pit. And the kid is a hero. <laughs> uh-huh. um, she considers mentioning how she felt sick when morphing, but decided against it. Why give Jake anything else to worry about? Mm-hmm. Uh, children. Children, please. Um, Cassie needs to get back to work. So it's like, are we done yelling at Rachel? Uh, and Jake's just like, I don't yell. I'm not anyone's parent. To which point Marco's like, you tell him, Dad. Um, which is good. Yeah. And the kids all laugh. Yeah. And, and then, then Jake says something offhand. Mm-hmm. Hey, by the way, Tom said something about how the sharing is going to hire that kid from Powerhouse as a spokesman. And Marco's like, oh, huh, that's weird. Anyway, I have homework and I have that new Nintendo game. And meanwhile, Cassie and Rachel are like, uh, what? <laughs> uh, and we get the first mention of Jeremy Jason McColl, who I will be calling JJC. Or JJ, because his name's a mouthful. I uh, feel like it's a riff on that kid who was in Home Improvement, uh-huh. who also had like three names. Yes, it is. I forget his name. Um, but yes, it absolutely is. I'm going to um, have to look that up because it will bug me otherwise. I can't just type Home Improvement into the thing. It's not going to work. Jonathan Taylor mm-hmm. Thomas. Yes. That. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um, mm-hmm. and both Cassie and Rachel are like, wait, Jeremy Jason <laughs> McColl is going to be endorsing the sharing. And, and Jake is like, yeah, it's too bad, but it's not like anyone cares. He's just some wimpy little actor. I mean, it's not like he's Michael Jordan or Brett Favre and even Tobias chimes in or Wayne Gretzky. I like how they all list sports, sports. people. I uh, see. I don't know who Bet for Brett Favre or Favre is, but I do know Wayne Gretzky. And everybody knows Michael Jordan. Yeah, I forget who Brett Favre is, but I know his name. Uh, but I do like this. So the kids, are just like, he's just some wibbly little actor, and Axe is just like, "What's an actor?" Um, <laughs> it's just like, or anyone else important. He's just an actor. I mean, he's a dork. What's a dork? Axe asked. Uh, and I appreciate that Jake, uh, that Tobias is just like that hair. Uh, and I feel like, oh, this is one of the few times we see. It bothers me less from Tobias in that moment because I feel like that's just like, yeah. The girl I like is being Galga over a boy that isn't, uh-huh. even if he's mm-hmm. not especially cognizant of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Cassie's just like, I love his hair. And Marco's just like, he's probably, sh- he's even shorter than me. And Rachel's just like, the difference is JJC is cute. Or JJM is cute. Uh, he's more than cute. He's the single cutest boy on the planet. Uh, and the, girls are just, the girls are like geeking out. And Marco's trying yeah. to take the 
piss and he shares a high five with Jake. But then Rachel points out, um, <laughs> ignoring Marco like she almost always does, and it stresses to Jake how popular yeah. JJM is. Uh, like half the girls in school have got posters of him, either at home or in their lockers or both. Mm-hmm. And how he's got like 20 websites just about him. Ah, the 90s. Um, trying to stress what a big deal this would be. If he endorses the sharing, it would be as if he looks, she looks to Cassie Delph, as if the entire female cast of Baywatch endorsed something. Cassie Sublide. Yeah, like that. Jake's smile evaporated. You're saying this actor kid has that kind of influence? He has that much power, Michael said. He has Baywatch level power. Yasmin Bleeth power, Tobias echoed. Bleeth, Axe echoed. Is that a word? <laughs> and I'm just there, just like, oh, Axe. I, I love how Axe is just in the background, like, what the fuck are you talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and, but yeah, and stress is that if, if JJM becomes a spokesperson for the sharing, they're going to have no shortage of teenage girls signing up for it. Right. Uh, that it's serious, that they have to stop it from happening. And they might actually, I guess, just like, and of course, we might actually have to meet Jeremy, Jason, in order to save him. We have to do our duty. I mean, for a start, we have to find out if he's already a controller. And we probably have to meet him to do that. Get close to him. Very close. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And Jake's just like, you two are making me sick. He's <laughs> just like, that's just good teen girl. I mean, I don't like the heteronormativity of it, but I do like just teen girls being teen girls about a crush. It's mm-hmm. cute. And it's good. And it's nice to have these reminders of just how much these guys are kids, because then it just yeah. makes the war stuff even sadder. Yeah. I do. I just, I like how authentic it is. Yes. Like, I've had those kinds of conversations for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just, it's really cute. And they're, they remain, honestly, the boy's reaction to them is also pretty authentic, because I... Yeah. had those kind of kinds of conversations with my brother mm-hmm. um never mind the fact that he had britney spears posters on his wall um but mm-hmm. it's it, it's authentic with the boys it's gross because it is but with the girls it's just really cute um uh-huh. and adorable um we're here for it we're here for it um so later that night uh rachel is at home with her sisters um watching reruns of powerhouse uh rachel is talking with her uh sister jordan who is the middle child um about jj and kind of feeling out what she knows is already correct about how much influence he has Mm -hmm. um basically saying oh like do you think he's cute how cute do you think he is um, I like that. I like that Jordan's like he's even cuter than that guy Marco. You know the one who's cousin Jake's friend. <laughs> <That's good>. <laughs> <laughs> like Jordan, do me, a, do me, and the whole world a favor. Never ever tell him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, basically, Rachel's like, well, let me ask you: if you thought there was some club that you could belong to that might mean you might get to meet JJ, and Jordan's immediately like, what club? <laughs> not just once like what club what club what club and it's it's very cute yeah uh so uh this confirms uh rachel and cassie's gut feelings that this is really fucking important 
Um, she muses a little bit on how it's possible for someone like JJ to be a controller. Um, where we always kind of have these things when someone either important or close to them is a controller, where it's like, man, but how could they possibly be a controller? They just, they look like a normal person. Um, just to, to underscore yeah. the, the idea of anyone could be a controller. Mm -hmm. um, but eventually Rachel goes upstairs to do homework. I um, really appreciate the padding out of uh, four to five pages yes. by messing around with fonts and margins. Yeah. Just like, oh, yeah, no, I've done that. Yeah. I did that. <laughs> yeah. Fonts and margins is very uh, grade school. It's when you learn to just like change the font size of just the periods and the spaces. That's <laughs> ingenious. I never learned that trick. <laughs> this is because I've. I say I'm only like a couple of years older than you, but it's like mm -hmm. that difference of I didn't start really typing right. homework right. until like uni. Mm -hmm. Everything was sort of pretty much handwritten until, unless it was like projects. Yeah. So that, that's the one I learned because teachers started. Uh, well, one, I never changed the font because then it's obvious what you're doing. Uh huh. Um, uh, <laughs> But the like the line spacing and the margins, sure. Except that then uh, teachers started uh, specifying exactly what the margins and the mm -hmm. line spacing had to be, mm -hmm. and so then you couldn't really do that anymore. And then someone told me about the the period, like the the punctuation and space trick, and I was like, "That's ingenious," because the difference between a twelve point period and a fourteen point period is almost imperceptible. Here we uh, have tips to pad out your essays with <laughs> Dr. Danielle Lincoln. <laughs> Listen, do the minimum. All of you out there who are still in school, you just have to pass. Mm -hmm. That's it. No one will care what your grades are. Just pass. Do the minimum. Save your brain. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> I'm very passionate about that, actually. Mm -hmm. That's good. <laughs> um, so we have Rachel doing her homework. Uh, her mum has to calls up, saying like popping out for milk. Uh, Rachel opens a window in case Tobias stops by, which is mm -hmm. also because it's a warm night, but also mm -hmm. because Tobias sometimes flies by. And then she decides to start checking out the various websites for JJ. You know, the whole twenty websites. <laughs> I love that emphasis, like when they were explaining earlier to Jake and Marco, he has like 20 websites about him. <laughs> oh, 90s. <laughs> mm -hmm. I appreciate that she's using the expression, uh, know your enemy, nor that yeah. she could really think of JJ as the enemy. Yep. Um, oh Let's be God, real, JJ's, through... mm -hmm. JJ's the kind of person who would have real person fic written about him mm. nowadays. Yeah. For a fucking flash, I had to wait through several busy signals to reach yep. his own actual homepage. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. You kids and your fucking smartphones don't know how good you got it. With See, back in our day, the internet was tied to the phone line. And so if anyone was using the phone, you could dark not days. also use the internet. Dark, dark day. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> um, but uh, gets to JJ's homepage 
Way too cute to be a controller, she says to no one. Um, but finds a biography and notices that uh, there's an itinerary on their mm-hmm. schedule of appearances and that uh, realizes that he is going to be in their town for the week. Yeah. So a show yeah. that is currently on the road and is due to be stopping at their town. Right. Uh, so, so she, she calls, calls Cassie. Wigging out in the way, just like, he's coming here. <laughs> um, and they they freak out for a little bit. And then uh, Rachel hangs up and starts looking at another website to try to confirm the news. Um, and then starts to, like, have trouble breathing, feel hot all over, uh, feel like her chest is constricted. And she realizes that this isn't just her being excited about a crush. She's having some kind of reaction. Ha. Name of the book. Uh-huh. Um, Title drop. <laughs> um, and her hand has started, has turned a dark mottled reptile green. And it gets worse. Yep. Like, as I read this, I was like, oh, that's bad. Oh, this is worse. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> was literally me reading this next chapter was like dang <laughs> yeah um and so Rachel understandably freaks out because this is the first time any of them have had like an involuntary morph right uh she's going into the crocodile morph and she can't morph out mm-hmm. she realizes very quickly that she's too big for the room mm-hmm. and is terrified if um like one of her sisters or her mum walks into the room and is more worried than that is that she won't be able to control the crocodile. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's trying to get herself to focus. Um, but rather than go back to human, she starts going into a different morph with no resting state between, which again, they were told was impossible. Right. Um, but she is gets down into a uh, fly morph. And I find it interesting, the morph, because they're going not from human, just like these really kind of disturbing sounding, mm-hmm. the way the morphs are is even more sort of yeah. horror, horror movie transformation more than usual. Um, yeah. And Rachel thinks that it must be a dream. Right. Uh, even w- at the same time while knowing she's had so many bad morphing dreams and how they've never been like this. Yeah. Um, so that's, she's down, she's shrunk into the fly but then as quick as that happens she's growing again yep freaking out and realizes she is morphing into the uh elephant morph a full-grown african elephant in her very small bedroom on the second floor and as she morphs and gets bigger the floor gives way (laughs) yep um and uh, her room collapses into the kitchen that is below it um, and fucking wrecks everything. Immediately, she freaks out because one of her sisters or her mom could have been in the kitchen. Um, she hears Jordan's voice, uh, who sounds okay, um, and she reminds herself that her mom had gone out to get milk, and so she only has to worry about Sarah. Um, and she's struggling to think about morphing back. She hears Jordan calling 911, 
Then she hears Sarah's voice. Um, and so she's relieved. And as she becomes more and more relieved, uh, she morphs all the way back and, uh, is able to respond to Jordan that she's okay. Um, and we get the note, had I been in human form when the floor collapsed, I'd have been dead or on my way to a long stay in a hospital for sure. On the other hand, if I'd been human, the floor wouldn't have collapsed in the first place. Um, uh, the paramedics, the fire department, and her mom, as well as every neighbor within six blocks show up because this is an event. Um, the fire department dig, uh, guys dig her out of the rubble, telling her not to worry. Um, and this this quote is both sad and funny. Uh, the fire department guys dug me out of the rubble. They kept telling me not to worry. What did they know? Had they ever suddenly turned into a crocodile? Had they ever had uncontrolled morphing? Um, and she gets taken to the ER, where everyone looks over her and is like, how the fuck do you not have a single scratch on you? Um... The the TV stations find out that she's the person who fell into the crocodile pit. So she that gets a morning, <laughs> that mo that same morning. So for about an hour after that, I had to answer some really stupid questions from reporters who shoved cameras and lights in my face. I love her answers to these. Rachel in full on snark mode is incredibly good. Yep, I sat there on the hospital bed wearing the black leotard I wear for morphing. Which, let's keep in mind, she was just hanging out at home mm -hmm. uh, with this presumably under her clothes. Yeah. So, you know, just, just think about that for a second. Um, Got to be ready to fight, Daniel. Uh -huh. You don't know when the next emergency is going to be. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. um, uh, entirely surrounded by microphones being jabbed at me, I just kept thinking, man, my hair is probably a mess. How did it feel to fall into a crocodile pit, then have your house fell down on you? Not very good, I answered. Don't you think you're incredibly lucky? Um, no. If I were lucky, I wouldn't keep falling, right? But you weren't hurt either time. I think winning the lottery would be lucky. Having a house follow me, that's not all that lucky. <laughs> Behind the cameras, I saw a familiar face, Cassie. The two of us locked eyes. All I could do was shrug. Do you have any advice for other kids like yourself? Um, yes. My advice is don't fall into crocodile pits and don't have the house fall on you. Just <laughs> very good. I, I really appreciate Rachel being like 100% done with these really yeah. stupid questions. Um, but yeah, the reporters, leave. The, the reporters give up. Um, her mum fusses over her a little bit. Uh, Cassie's there and just like checks in in a carefully neutral voice. Mm -hmm. Um. And Rachel's mom is all just like, you're amazing. It's a miracle you survived. Uh, and just like, we've got insurance. It's fine that the house is destroyed. Uh, <laughs> and then just like, probably be the mother of all lawsuits. And just like goes off into lawyer mode. Uh-huh. Um, and then uh, Rachel's dad shows up. Mm-hmm. Dan. Yep. Uh I like I like the description of the fake nice voices that her dad and mom use with each other, which is very mm -hmm. much a uh, child of a divorced divorced parents mood. Mm -hmm. um, and <laughs> then in a genuine <laughs> voice, mm -hmm. how's my girl? No biggie, daddy. The usual day, a little crocodile diving in the morning, then the house falls in on me. 
And our dad laughs. Uh, he's man, he's also a TV reporter, just like more like one of those 60-minute guys, mm-hmm. you know, like very responsible and serious. And it turns out that he had caught the next flight after seeing the report on the news about yeah. the falling into the pit. It never occurred to me you'd be performing another bizarre stunt the same day. <laughs> uh, and it's just very good banter. Yeah. yeah. Good family moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and as this goes on, uh, her dad offers to let her stay at the hotel and he'll get a room for her. This mm-hmm. is after like the notion that they're staying with uh, Naomi's mum. Mm-hmm. And Cassie does offer for Rachel to stay there too. But um, And then Rachel has the brainwave after agreeing to stay at the hotel with her dad because, you know, room service and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, Rachel's just like, hey, dad, with all these people want to talk to me, uh, wouldn't it be better if I just did one show? And he's just like, mm. <laughs> sweetie, you don't have to do any. I can get you. I can get everyone off your back because he already commented like they want to just get the news in before the late night mm-hmm. news. They'll be back. Mm-hmm. And Rachel's just like, what do you think of the Barry and Cindy Sue show? And their parents both look fused. And Cassie's just like on to Rachel bullshit at this point. <laughs> and uh, but and Rachel just like frames it. It's just like, well, there's this guy, this actor, this kind of slightly cute actor about why specifically the Barry and Cindy Sue show is mm-hmm. the one she wants to go on. Yep. Uh, she goes to straight from the hospital to her dad's hotel. Um, she tries to rest, but she can't because she's super tense over what happened. She can't stop thinking about how her hotel room is on the 22nd floor. And if she morphed elephant again, uh, there's a lot of floors to go through. Um, she keeps checking her hands and feet to see if she was still human. Uh, and, uh, she orders food. Can't really feel it, doesn't really feel like eating it. And then Cassie calls um, and basically says, Hey, are you alone? Okay, good. I'll be there in five minutes. Um, and Cassie flies <laughs> in through the window. <laughs> I appreciate like you Rachel changing the room service order. Like yeah. originally, she's going to order salad with poppy seed dressing and I'll have a cheeseburger and fries and cherry pie with ice cream and cancel the salad and a yeah. milkshake. And then when Cassie's going to be just calls back up and orders more pie in the salad. <laughs> Yeah. It's just like, yes, good friend. Love yep. this. Yep. Uh so the two of Rachel them Rachel tips, which is yeah. good. Good. Yep. She's been she's been in hotels before. <laughs> yeah. Uh Cassie makes makes the note like you better be rich when you grow up because you're like really good at this whole thing. <laughs> and, and Rachel just like, I have a natural talent for spending money. What can I say? It's my burden to bear. Um, and I like that they have this moment again of banter, of normalcy, mm-hmm. um, before Rachel explains what happened. Right. Because Cassie's just like, tell me what happened. And Rachel's like, you don't believe the floor of my bedroom just happened to fall in. And Rachel's first thought is that she fell asleep mm-hmm. because she was clicking around some websites, then morphed the crocodile. And Cassie's like, yeah, I dream all the time and I've never morphed in my sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's all she can think of. It's yep. just like, so you morphed the croc and it made the floor fall in. It's just like, okay, look, actually, it was the elephant. 
Yeah. So I think maybe I just dreamed the part about morphing the crocodile because then I went straight into another morph. And then when I woke up, I was an elephant. And then Cassie's just like, it's me. You don't have to lie. Or one, mm-hmm. Rachel, it's me, your best friend. I know when you're not telling the complete truth. Mm-hmm. Art playbook, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Cassie's the one that points out, um, maybe we should, you should talk to Axe about mm-hmm. this. He's an Andalite. Maybe this is a thing that happens. <laughs> <laughs> it better not be something that just happens. <laughs> I could have killed Jordan and Sarah. And and Cass is just like, well, yeah, well, we need to talk to Axe. And Stress is like, we're not, but not Jake. He's going to get all responsible. <laughs> he won't let me do anything. He'll just tell me to stay home. And Cass is just like, that's what you should do. And Rachel's argument is what I need is to stay focused. The more focused I am, the less likely that will be, that will ever happen again. If only that were true, Rachel. Mm-hmm. Um, and doesn't want to let it happen. Yeah, uh, but she agrees to talk to Axe. Um, in exchange for not telling Jake. Um, and it turns out that um, as the conversation sort of moves on, that JJ is already in town. It was on Entertainment Tonight. He's staying on a big yacht uh, out in the bay. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need so they need to figure out if he's a controller or not. Um, and then, yeah, uh, Rachel reiterates what they know about like the kid reaction and how Jordan basically said she would walk over broken glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the, and Cassie's just like, if a year ago, I'd probably been right behind her. Uh, and then they have apparently all the others have already talked about it and that they're going to maybe go after school to go fly out and have a look at this mm-hmm. yacht. And just like, and then it comes back to Jake, Mark, all of them, they're coming to. Somehow they don't seem to exactly trust you and me alone with JJ. On a yacht, huh? Rachel mused. He'll probably be lying out in a bathing suit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's sort of like, <laughs> yes. Good. Yeah. Uh, Cassie leaves. Rachel goes to bed. Uh, she wakes up a lot in the middle of the night. She keeps having to check to make sure that she's still human. Um... She has weird dreams, but doesn't morph again. Uh, Takes a taxi to school the next day. A bunch of the kids are being assholes, uh, but she ignores them. (laughs) Uh, And then Um, she gets called to Chapman's office. You know, the assistant principal and uh, big to do within the sharing. Mm -hmm. This is fine. Uh, Yeah, there is a very tense little scene here where she's trying to figure out whether Chapman is on her case because she is uh, this new celebrity or because of her grades uh, or because he's on to her as an Andalite bandit. And she keeps going back and forth because he keeps saying things that can be interpreted either way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh he points out your grades have dropped this last semester. Not a lot, but your teachers think you aren't applying yourself the way you used to. She points out that she still has an A average and he's like barely. Um, what I appreciate. Yeah. And this, as this goes on, uh, comments like, well, your parents got divorced recently. And she's like, oh yeah, that could, that could be it. Um, and, but it turns out this is a pitch for the sharing and yep. that Rachel should join. Yeah. Which is when Rachel's heart stops beating. Yeah. Uh, because, uh, 
Chapman thinks that she's going through just a really rough time and could use a nice, wholesome organization in her life. Um, and, uh, the thing is, if even... we didn't know what the sharing was, it yeah. would be like such a honestly, yeah. Thing. If I didn't know what the sharing was, I'd want to join it. It sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, but and this whole benefit, uh, uh, this whole thing, just like when I saw you handling yourself so well on the news last night, I thought, you know, I should offer Rachel this opportunity. She's just the kind of person who could really benefit from the sharing. Then we have this real gross, real yeah, gross line. It's, uh... I'm gonna like reassure myself a little with that being a yerk, yeah, in control, and like. And what Chapman, are the things you say? Yeah, Chapman in the mind being like, gross. But yeah, uh, describes her as looking on TV as very self-possessed, very attractive, and very mature. She's like, she's 13! Yep. Uh, yep. Um, and, her, and Rachel's response though, just cool. <laughs> um, and then we have this moment where he was like, about whether well, maybe you don't have some problems. I mean, all the stories say you fell into the crocodile pit, but I don't believe in accidents. And Rachel just laughs briefly, yeah, um, thinking that uh, him thinking that she was suicidal, that uh, she did he think that I'd soared to the floor of my house too? <laughs> uh, good grief! That's why he was trying to recruit me for the sharing. He thought I was depressed or whatever. A perfect recruit for his little controller organization. Yep. Um. And she's trying to convince her, oh, no, she's happy. But uh, then morphing starts to happen as she gets this pins and needles of warmth feeling. And we have this popping sound or snapping sound as her laces snap on her shoes as just her feet are morphing. Yep, to bear. I will say, this is a great fucking bullshit here. I mean, it's terrible, yeah. but also... Because uh, basically, she manages to grab the remnants of her shoes into her backpack and passes off these beat, the bare feet as just being very fluffy uh, boots. And I'm just like, yeah. only in the late 90s could you have gotten away <laughs> with that shit. Yep. They're the newest uh, Uggs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, and she makes a crack about being like a fashion victim mm -hmm. um, and gets, gets her gym shoes on. And but is obviously and is obviously super shook up by this. Um, mm -hmm. What was it? After all, a crocodile can only kill you. Mm -hmm. Chapman is a yerk, and they can do things that make plain old death seem easy. Yep. Uh, we cut to after school. I meant to ask Axe about my little problem. I had promised Cassie I would, but right after school we had the mission, and if I'd brought it up then, everyone would have made me stay home. Which is. I love that Very... maybe, maybe that would have been the smart thing to do. <laughs> maybe. But yep. what I find interesting about, we have like a quick conversation between, uh, she calls her dad, says she's going to be at Cassie's, calls her mum, says the same thing, mm -hmm. comments how sad it is that lying, how easy lying's become mm -hmm. for her. Um, and I'll, there's something that she says a little bit later, uh, is the, about being the one who's all like gun-ho, like let's go. And while she absolutely does want to be on this mission, I think it loops back to what we were saying earlier about her role in the group. Because mm -hmm. she is the one who... The mission doesn't start until Rachel says, let's go. Yep. So, yep. 
And of course, Rachel's of the opinion that if somebody's going to get hurt on a mission, it should be me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at you. Hey, 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 Mac, you, you, you listening? I'm watching you as much as I can watch you from this position. <laughs> Excuse me while I call out my friend, as I must. <laughs> but, and I mean, I should also call out Danielle here because I'm sure Sue is the exact same fucking way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes, he, of course he is. Um, but we have this moment where uh, Tobias is flying cover already, uh, and like, uh, first it's just like cool little message, just like, "Hey, if you can hear me, like, give me a signal," and is able to direct her to a safe place to morph. Mm-hmm. And uh, I quite like the description here of a, a of turning into a seagull. Mm-hmm. Um. And I appreciate the mighty seagull, eater of fish, french fries, melted candy eggs, Burger King whoppers, popcorn, beef jerky, pickle slices, maraschino cherries, cheese puffs, burritos, and basically any other food that has ever been invented. King of scavengers, lord of the trash. Yep. (laughs) I live in southeast England. I've spent a lot of time at British seasides. I know (laughs) seagulls. (laughs) Yeah, great. They're bastards. They are tenacious as hell. Yeah. Um, I'm like about a 40 minute inland from the seaside as well. But like whenever we get wet weather, like I had seagulls circling around outside uh, just before we were getting ready to start recording. And I was like, ah, <laughs> how apt. <laughs> yep. But this is, I think, the first time that she's done the morph from the sounds of it. It's, a it's little the bit first lo- time since like book four. Okay. So it gets a little bit overwhelmed by seagull brain about mm-hmm. the uh, the every bit of the every bit of food buffet um, mm-hmm. that is that is around and how you got to give it to the seagull who have adapted their diet to eat basically anything. Yep, uh, and we have sort of the seagull brain perspective on the silhouette of a bird of prey um, and how she starts like effectively running away mm-hmm. before Tobias is just like enjoying yourself, Rachel. Uh, hello hello in there rachel (laughs) (laughs) yep uh she apologizes you know she got caught up um yeah because she'd done them off before so she wasn't as on guard as she should have been Mm -hmm. um and then i think it's implied that part of the reason she has an issue is because of the reaction she's having that makes Um, sense but it's not really brought up again so it's yeah. kind of interpret as you will. But it does, it makes sense to me, just like when you're sick, like you struggle to do things you'd normally do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but, uh, so she sort of clicks back into her own head a bit more um, and sort of yells at uh, Tobias a little bit. Yeah, because he asks if she's okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, all right. I just wish everyone would ask, stop asking me how I am. I'm fine. And he's just like, you know your way to the beach from here. And she's like, of course I know my way to the beach. Still mad for no good reason. And he's just like, okay, see you there, and flies off. Yep. It's just like, oh, don't blame him. I would too if my friend yelled at me. Yeah. Um, but uh. the, the gang meets up mm-hmm. at the beach. Uh, four seagulls looking normal and higher up. Uh, there's Tobias and Axe in his Harrier morph because he doesn't have a seagull. So he mm-hmm. has to be further up. 
And we get this moment of, you know, Jake asks if everybody is ready. Um, and Rachel says, let's do it. That's what I almost always say at the start of a mission. Everyone expected me to say it. The truth was, I felt nervous and worried and totally unsure of myself. But people expected me to be all gung-ho. If I hadn't been, they'd have known something was very wrong with me. Um, just like how we saw in last book, where Jake was really on his back foot until, like, Cassie and Marco and Rachel kind of started acting more like themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, which it, they're already so codependent. It's mm -hmm. ridiculous. Um, they, there's another fun moment of Tobias ragging on other birds because he can see the boat, <laughs> like that's three just, miles offshore. Yeah, that's so good. I'll take care of long range flying. Jake's like, you sure it's the right boat? Yeah, the debris, right? There's no way you can read the name of a boat that's three miles out. I've been an osprey, remember? Your eyes are good, but you're not Superman. And Tobias like, busted. Okay, I can't read the whole name of the boat, but I can see the D. And I took a good guess. <laughs> and Rachel's like, good enough. Let's go. Um, uh, because it feels good to be doing something. Action was better than sitting around waiting to see if I was going to morph out of control. Uh, yeah. And she's still kind of looking forward to seeing JJ because, like, you know, a chance they could rescue him, and he's yeah. still a cute boy. Uh, Tobias bails out because he's not good over water, and unlike Axe, he can't morph into something else and swim back. Um, I'd love... So, we said goodbye to Tobias. I know he hates not being able to go with us on every mission. He feels like he's not doing enough, I guess. Which is stupid, because really, no one does more for the cause than Tobias. And no one has paid a higher price in this war with the Yerks than Tobias has. Which, compare and contrast with Jake being a fucking dick last book mm -hmm. um, to Tobias. Uh, yep. Yeah. It's, I, like, I like that she recognizes that this is an insecurity he has, and rec also recognizing that um, it is... Uh, it's not true. Like what, mm -hmm. what he's telling himself isn't true. Um, but yeah. just makes me mad yeah. at Jake. I'm mad at Jake yeah. this book. Mm -hmm. um, the kids fly out. The ones in Seagull Morph are having a pretty decent time. Uh, Axe in Harrier Morph is not having so much of a good time, but he's still able to spot the boat mm -hmm. for them um, and describes. Um, there's four humans on the deck, two older males, a female of medium age, one juvenile ma male. Is it Jeremy Jason? <laughs> Cassie has sadly, has to be, I said. Does he have brownish blonde hair and really big blue eyes and full lips, I did, like Brad Pitt? Marco is like gag, boff. The hair and eyes are correct, Axe said. I can't evaluate the lips, though. How large would lips have to be in order to be Brad Pitt lips? And this response from Marco fucking cracked me up. <laughs> in that Montana movie, Brad Pitt's lips filled the entire screen. In fact, I heard some people were crushed to death by Brad Pitt's lips. Yeah. <laughs> and Jake's, uh, Jake's getting in on this, and I bet they're fake. You know how they inject like butt fat into lips to make them all puffy? <laughs> Which just strikes me as cute, insecure teens ragging yeah. on. Them. Like, that stuff doesn't bother me. Yeah. That they say. So, yeah. um,. And Cassie it's, and Rachel just rag on them for being jealous. Mm -hmm. It's sad, Rachel. Terribly sad. And it's like, Marco's like, this is the worst mission we've ever been on. 
I mean, I've been scared before. Hey, I've been horrified, screaming, wanting to wet myself, terrified before. I'm used to that. But this is the first time I've wanted to just throw up. Rachel, I didn't think you were even capable of normal human affection, let alone pathetic hero worship. Say it, brother. (laughs) Jake agreed. I think he was kidding, but I couldn't be sure. And Cassie, I thought you only cared about animals. Animals like skunks and snakes. And Jake. At which point Jake changes the sound. Okay, let's get back to business. And I'm just like, I love these kids. I love these kids so much. Jake tells Axe to peel off and change morphs in the water. Um, At first, Jake's like, okay, Marco and I will go in close, land on the boat, see what we can overhear. Rachel and Cassie, you be back up. And Rachel's like, yeah, fucking right. (laughs) (laughs) You and Marco stay back as backup. We're going in. Uh, They fly in closer. Um, they recognize the fourth person is indeed JJ. Uh, they geek out a bit. Um, mm-hmm. and I love, mm-hmm. I, I love this Jeremy Jason McColl, star of Powerhouse. At least he was the star if you forgot about that comedian die who played his father. Jeremy Jason we McColl. We too would like, I was gonna say, we too yeah. would like to forget about Tim Allen. Yeah, same. Who had appeared in basically every fanzine published in the last five years, most of which Cassie and I Cassie or I had read. His favorite color is crimson, Cassie said. It's so cool. He didn't just say red. He said crimson. He was born in Altoona, Pennsylvania. He has two sisters. Their names are Jessica and Madison. Nice chest. Nice legs. Let's get closer. It's so cute. <laughs> it's so cute and so accurate. Right. It's the sort of thing where if I saw actual teenagers doing that, I would be like giggling a little bit to myself in delight and they would be horrified. Yeah. Like, hell, I had this kind of reaction to like just memorizing weird ass facts to David Tennant when I got into Doctor Who. Like Mm-hmm. Oh word. <laughs> like I've done similar stuff. Uh-huh. Let me be clear how much I fangirled, well, fan geeked, as I like to say. Uh, over like actors as I've gotten older and been in yeah. my twenties and thirties, yeah. uh-huh. there's been less of the like. Oh, I'm more just like I must watch everything. What's this obscure thing that they appear in for ten minutes? Yes, uh-huh. yes, I will watch this. Yes, David Tennant has been in some fucking shit. Let me tell you, but I watched it for him. Yes. Uh. So. Yeah, they get closer and then they start to overhear parts of the conversation. And uh, that's when they start to fall out of love with the extremely cute Jeremy Jason McColl because they don't like what they overhear. <laughs> <laughs>